We're in Simen Lamed Beis, Seif Vav. Ein Tzarech Lesartet. So first let's introduce Sirtut. What is Sirtut? Sirtut means <clears throat> we all are familiar that when writing on paper, a notepad for instance, generally there are uh, blue or some other color lines on the paper to enable and assist one in writing straight lines. So obviously on animal hides, on cloth, which Tefillin are written on, there are no uh, blue lines on the parchment. Um, and therefore, the innovation that was created to assist one in writing straight when writing on parchment is what's called sirtut. Sirtut are lines, colorless lines, which are scored into the parchment uh, with an awl, I believe is the name of the tool, A-W-L. And uh, assuming that the lines are scored in straight, that will assist the writing to be straight. So the halacha is that by mezuzah, there's halacha l'mayshim yisinai, that there has to be sirtut. According to most Rishonim by Sefer Torah as well, there's a halacha l'mayshim yisinai, that there has to be sirtut. And now the question is, what about by tefillin? So says the Mechaber, Ein tzarech l'sartet ki im shita el yayna. Only the top line needs sirtut. And if one is not able to write straight without sirtut, he can score all the other lines as well, not just the top line. The reason for the top line, there's a separate halacha that one is not allowed to write any psukim of kisvei hakodesh or three words of any pasuk at least without sirtut. So this is a big discussion. There are entire svarim written about this. It's impossible to address the whole issue, but at least that's what's going on over here. So again, so one does not have to, according to the Mechaber, one does not have to score lines in the Tefillin, only the top line, period. If one is unable to write straight without scoring lines into the parchment, what he should do is, he should indeed score lines in for all of the lines of the Tefillin, thereby enabling him to write all of them straight. When scoring these lines into the parchment, it should not be done with a pencil. Because if one uses a pencil, then it's going to be colored. And being colored is going to be a problem. Now, what is the problem of being colored? So there are a number of suggestions of what uh, the problem of colored could be. One suggestion is, to be a potential chatzitza, because now he's not writing on cloth, he's writing on um, lead. Okay, and even if midine uh, chatzitza, it's not called a chatzitza, but like we said previously, there may be just in general a din that one has to write on cloth, and he's not writing on cloth, regardless of whether halachically it has a din of chatzitza. That's one possibility. Another possibility is because, as we discussed yesterday, there's a din of hakafas gvil. Letters have to be surrounded by parchment and they can't be touching each other. So if the letters are touching each other by way of the pencil marks or whatever other color uh, would be there, so that could potentially be a problem of Hakafa's gvil. A third problem is that in general it could cause what's called a shinetsura. It could change the shapes of the letters. For, for any one of a number of reasons, one should not score lines into the cloth with lead or any other color. Hago. The Mechaber, you will recall, 
said that one only needs to score the top line of the tefillin in. The rest of the lines are not necessary. Says the Ramah that there are other opinions. What are the other opinions? That you need four uh, lines. Top, sides, and bottom. So that way you have a misgeret, as it were, that you're writing within. Even if one is able to write straight without sirtut, one still is required to have this frame of a sirtut on top, bottom, right, and left within which to write the tefillin, the chaynaigen, and that's the minig. Today it happens to be that the minig is that we have sirtut on all the lines and on the sides we have sirtut everywhere. That's the prevalent minig. Zion. We discussed yesterday regarding the issue of Hakafas Kvil, that it has to be surrounded by parchment, that there are different names for different stages of the parchment um, and different types of parchment. So try and uh, mention that as quickly as possible. There's something called diftira. Diftira are animal hides pre-processing. That's diftira. Then there's something called klaf, gvil, and duchsustus. Gvil is an entire animal hide which has been processed. So if one takes an animal hide, processes it such that now it's, one is able to write on it, that's called gvil. Klaf is when that hide has been split into two. It's whether the inside of the hide is the klaf and the outside is the duchsustus or whether the outside of the hide is the klaf and the inside is the duchsustus. The prevalent hachra uh, is that the outside layer of the klaf is the klaf, and the inside layer of the hide is the duchsustus. So halach alamayshim is sinai, tefillin al haklaf v'loy al haduchsustus. Tefillin needs to be written on the outside part of the hide, and not on the inside part of the hide, v'loy al hagvil, and not on an unsplit hide either. One writes on the inside of the outside. Okay, so if this is the hide, and this is the top, right? Just like the person has on his hand, so this is the outside of the skin, right? The kishkas inside the hand is the inside. So, so too, same thing over here. Let's say this gemara that I'm holding in my hand is the hide of the animal. So this is the top part. This is the bottom part. So now when I split the hide in half, one writes on the inside of the outer part. Okay? That's what the Mechaber is saying. Right? One writes on the flesh side of the outer part of the hide. And if one writes on the outer side of the outer part of the hide, or on either side of the inner part of the hide, that will be unkosher. Mahu klafu mahu dosustus, right? <laughs> now he says, what, what are we talking about? What's klaf and what's dosustus? Ha'or b'shasi budai chalkanaisi The hides at the time that they are processed are split into two. V'chelek ha'chitzayin, the external part of the hide, shehu letzad haseir, which is the part of the hide which has the hair on it, which faces the avir ha'elam, nikra klaf, that's called klaf. The hapnimi and the innards, the inside of the hide, hadavuk lebasar nikra dursustus, the part that faces the kishkis of the animal, 
That's called Dilsustus. When we previously stated that one writes on the klaf part of the hide, on the flesh part of that, that means on the inside, as we explained before, of the outside. Which is the spot where it's attached to the inner layer of the hide, right? Because the natural uh, way that hide works is that when it's processed in the uh, gallnut uh, solution, which we discussed yesterday, the hide splits into two. It's kind of like if you think about like a cereal box, which is made of like cardboard, right? <laughs> so I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I enjoyed peeling the cardboard into two, right? So that's mamish how the hide of an animal works, right? It just mamish splits right into two. Uh, when it's processed in that way. When it's processed in other ways, it's impossible to split it into two. And what we do today is we just scrape off the inside. So it accomplishes the same thing. Just instead of splitting it, we scrape the inside. This is what he says. Our hides, which don't split, so here he's raising an issue. The issue is that today, aside for the fact that we scrape away this whole inside. So now really, you're writing over here, which is where you're supposed to be writing, but we have a different problem because we take off from the top as well. We take off from the outside. So that would be a problem. Because now I'm like in no man's land. If I'm taking off from here, and I'm taking off from here, so I'm just left with, with this, and w- what halacha does this have? So he's explaining that since re- this re- removal of the outer part is just being done to make it easier to work with, so that's not a halachic problem. And so long as ultimately you're writing over here, which is the same place you were writing before, that is okay. For anybody listening who can't see the demonstrations that I just gave, there happens to be a sefer uh, called Inside Stam, which uh, has pictures of this discussion uh, in chapter two, and you can see exactly what we're referring to. And even if we split the R into two, one would still scrape from the outside. It's worth, it's worth mentioning that there is a Biyarlacha that says that according to the Chayadam, one is not allowed to do that. One's not allowed to scrape from the outside at all. And today, uh, one can get klaf, uh, what's called Chayadam klaf, which has nothing scraped on the outside, but most of the klaf is scraped on the outside, which according to pretty much all the other Paiskim is fine and has good hashkachos and everything is okay. But you should be aware, yes, you should be aware that even today there's two types of klafing. Uh, and from the flesh side of the animal, they scrape away plenty. In other words, what he's saying is they get rid of all of the dechsustus. So the entire fatty layer on the inside is all scraped away. And that's taka the way Klaf is made today as well. Halacha ches. 
צורך הקלף להיות מעובד באפוצים או בסיב, וצורך שיהיה מעובד לשמוי. The processing of the קלף must be done in one of two ways. בעצם, the way they did it in the times of Chazal is what's called צורך להיות מעובד באפוצים, right? That's the gold solution that we were talking about yesterday, and that works not only for ink, it works for processing hides as well, and that was the way it used to be done. At a certain point, for historical reasons, which we don't have time to go into now, they switched the method of processing hides from ibud afotzim, as it's known, to ibud sid, which is a lime solution which processes the hides. The Rishonim discussed this switch, and they say that uh, the processing in sid is perfectly acceptable. There are those that say that it's even preferable, and when I said today, that's the minig, pretty much uh, everywhere, all the hides are processed in Sid. So that's what he's saying. The klaf has to be processed either with hafotzim or with Sid. And it has to be done lishma, which means that when one takes the hide and puts it into the solution, one has to say, or like we discussed yesterday, one can make a tonight. And uh, there are different Lashainas that are brought for how to make the Tanai, but Ba'ucha Lashanoisim, Lakal Masha'erza, there's different ways to do it. There should be Mu'ubid Lashma'i. It would be a hider, by the way. There are those that are Makbid for this, although it's very rare to be Ma'abid each item for itself. In other words, you could have Lashem Kedushas Tfilin Klaf, you could have Lashem Kedushas Mezuzah Klaf. So that, there are those that are Makbid on that, but it's not the prevalent custom, and most places can hold that that's not necessary. Period. It's good to speak it out. In other words, machshava is not enough. If one just thinks, I'm being ma'abed, these iris, l'shem, kedushas, whatever, that's not, uh, it's a if it's ma'akiv or not, but certainly that's not ideal. One should speak out, for tefillin or sefer Torah. Now why does he say, the reason is because, let's say, he's, we're in Hilchas tefillin now. So if he's ma'abed, the iris, l'shem kedushas tefillin, tefillin have, uh, I'm sorry, l'shem kedushas mezuzah, so mezuzah has less kedusha than tefillin. So if he's ma'abed, the iris, for mezuzah, it's not going to work for tefillin because mezuzah is a lower kedusha, as opposed to say for Torah, which is a greater kedusha. So a greater kedusha, we say bechlal masayim mana. Included in two hundred is one hundred. So if I was ma'abed for two hundred, it'll work for one hundred, right? If you're ma'abed iris l'shem kedushas tefillin, that will work for mezuzah. But if you're ma'abed iris l'shem kedushas mezuzah, it won't work for tefillin. If you're ma'abed l'shem kedushas tefillin, it won't work for say for Torah. So that's the point that the mechaber is making over. Here. What if a non-Jew was Ma'abid the Iris? Now, this today is not that relevant, but uh, as recently as 100, 200 years ago, certainly six, 700 years ago, uh, all the uh, Abdanim, all the hide processing uh, factories and manufacturers were all non-Jews. Right? That's, uh, there was no such thing as... Uh, as Jewish Abdanim. It didn't exist. So this halacha was uh, once extremely, extremely relevant. What do you do if there's no Jewish hide maker in town? 
So im ibdai ain't a Yehudi, if a non-Jew does the processing, how do we deal with this situation? La Rambam, we don't deal with the situation. Possible. It's simply not kosher. You have to do it yourself, whether you like it or not. Afilu amale Yisrael la'abid lishmai. Even if the Jew tells the non-Jew, right? The Rambam was in Morocco, Spain, Mitzrayim, right? So the Jew is there with Ahmed or Muhammad, and he tells him, Muhammad, Abid these iris l'shem kedushas tefillin. Says the Rambam, nothing doing. It's not going to work. According to the Rosh, it will work if the Jew stands there and he tells him, tells the non-Jew to do it l'shma, and he assists him a bit, it's going to work. The Rosh holds that that does work, and the place can say that he doesn't even have to assist him very much at all. As long as he's standing over him, uh, according to the Rosh, at least that would certainly work. But again, the place can say that that part, I believe, is not ma'akiv according to the Ramah. The again, and the Ramah adds that that's the minig, as I said, because there, it was very uncommon to have Jewish abdonim. So this was the minig to be saimich on the rush. Baruch Hashem, today there's no shortage of uh, people that make laugh who are from Erlich Yidin, and this halacha Baruch Hashem is uh, not really negea bismanenu. Halacha Yud, Kishem Samnim Hanekovim B'Marzeya. Again, we were dealing with non-Jews very often that were being Ma'abed Iris, so we had to make some sort of a simon, right? Just like uh, when you're sending uh, food with a non-Jew, right? So you have to make simonim. So over here also with the Iris, we want to have simonim to ensure that the non-Jew is not going to play any, play any games with the uh, processed hides that we're dealing with. So Kishem Samnim Hanekovim B'Marzeya, when making these simonim with the all, even though, right, we make perforations in the cloth with an awl, let's say uh, your name is Shlaimi and you are the guy doing the ibud, so you make perforations, let's say in Hebrew letters of Shlaima, right, and uh, even though technically the non-Jew could really forge that, because what can he do, he could just take another piece of cloth, and put it underneath it and make matching holes in that spot. So it's not that easy, it's not that difficult to forge it. Nevertheless, we're not concerned that the non-Jew is going to forge the simen. At the end of the day, the non-Jew is going to be, he's going to have a certain level of fear that he's going to be caught. And therefore, we assume that the simen is good enough and we're not concerned that the non-Jew is going to forge the simon. Yud Aleph, Arsha Ibdu What if you have hides which were processed but not lishma? Okay, so you have, this could be for one of two reasons. Either let's say a person forgot to say, Hareini Ma'abed Oiris Eulishem Kedushas Tfilin, or could have a different case. Just in those days, you have to realize there was no paper. They wrote on parchment. That was a standard. Uh, writing material, right? Or let's say I was once in a cloth uh, factory and there were a bunch of cipherim, all different types of cipherim in there, picking out cloth, and all of a sudden a not religious lady wearing pants uh, walked in and started looking at cloth. And we found it very uh, fascinating what she was doing there. And somebody asked her, what are you doing here? And she said that she's an artist and she draws uh, beautiful pictures on parchment. So 
that could be another reason, right? That somebody was being ma'abed the parchment for non-Kodesh purposes. So what do you do in such a situation? Or she'ivdu she'loy l'shmoi, you have parchment which was processed with no intention of using it for tefillin. And now all of a sudden, you're four days into the process, right? It could take a week or two to be ma'abed the parchment and you're, you're partway through the process and all of a sudden you realize, hey, I want to use this parchment. It looks like it's going to come out, it looks like it's going to be a really good batch. I want to use this for my tefillin. So is it acceptable to take them out, then put them back in lishma? Like let's say, it's like a dogma. Let's say you put something in the microwave, right? It has to be in there for three minutes until it's ready. After a minute and a half, you realize, oh yeah, I forgot to say, l'shem kedushas, whatever. So you want to pull it out of the microwave and then put it back in lishma. So is that going to work? So that's the, exactly the question over here. Can you pull the iris out in the middle and put them back in lishma? Yisbara b'tur yaradeh semen and aleph. And to reveal what it says over there, Lamaisa, we are makel. And one is allowed to do that. One can take out the hides in mid process and put them back in Lushma. Halacha Yud Beis. Yia haklaf me'or behema v'chaya v'oif hatahirim. The klaf should be made from the hides of either a behema or a chaya or an oif, fowl, hatahirim, fowl with a W. Hatahirim, which are tahar, meaning it has to be a kosher species. Afilu minevelu trefa shalahem. So as we said a second ago, has to be from a kosher species. It doesn't have to be kosher. Okay, so if let's say one would have an axe with a broken neck, so that would be treif. One would not be allowed to eat the basar from such a behema, but to use the hide of such a behema to write sefeteret filin or on is perfectly acceptable. But not from a non-kosher species. Why? Tayras Hashem has to be uh, in your mouth, as it were. Which means Tayras Hashem has to be written on a species which is permitted to enter your mouth. Just as a sidebar, we don't really nowadays write on or of an oif. Okay, that's not commonly done uh, because it's very weak and thin and full of holes and uh, it's not really practical. But uh, behema of Achaya or behema uh, certainly is the way that it's done today. Beloy may or dag, one may not write Sefeteret Tfilin on the hide of a fish, Afilu Hutahar, even if it's a kosher species of fish, Mishum Dinafish Zuame, because it smells. And uh, even with the processing, it's difficult to get the smell out, and therefore it's not covered shamayim to write kisvei hakodesh on such hides, and it's not allowed. Yud gimel, yeah, haklaf shalim. The hide has to be whole, which means right. The cli- the hide has to be whole. W h o l e, and it should not have a hole. H o l e. Okay, so that's this halacha. The klaf should be whole. It should not have a hole. What type of hole would passel the hides? A hole which the ink does not pass over, which means that the ink falls through. Okay? If you're writing, uh, when, you, when you have a donut and you're putting chocolate on the donut, it falls through the hole in the donut. Right? 
if you go to the bagel store and you order uh, cream cheese on your bagel, the cream cheese falls through the center of the bagel. So that would passel claff if your uh, ink is falling through a hole in the claff. The Hainush later because then the letter is going to be split in two, right? If you have a letter, imagine you have a vav, and in the middle of the length of the vav, there's a hole in the claff. So your vav is going to be split in half. You can have the upper half of the vav above the hole, the lower half of the vav below the hole. So that would be unacceptable, and it would not be used for a claff. Which is to say, by the way, that you could use claff that has a hole in it, but you have to arrange the lettering such that the hole is between, between words or between letters. It's not to say that you're not allowed to use any claff that has a hole in it. The point is that one is not allowed to write on top of a hole. So technically, if a cipher is careful and thoughtful and you know, has it worked out in advance, he can arrange the writing such that there won't be anything written on the mokim of the nekev, and it'll be 100% kosher lemahadrim. Yudalad. Ha-seifrim ha-zrizim, oisim shleisha mine klafim. Seifrim who are uh, careful have different types, three different types of klaf. Ha-av yoiser, lichtayv by parashish shema, the thickest klaf, you know, before we read the halacha, let's explain it first. Then when we read it, it'll make more sense. The, the, the tefillin, the bottom of tefillin on the inside have cavities, right? There are four compartments that the parashias are placed within, right? When one has tefillin on his head, on his shalresh, so there are four, he has four compartments on his tefillin shalresh protruding upward, right? That's what we said is the ktsitsa. Now, how do the parashias get in there? So the, the batim open, and one inserts one parasha in each one of the four batim, right? We said there are four parashas, and each parasha goes into its bias, its compartment. Now, what we're discussing here is that when putting the parchments into the four compartments, we want it to look as nice as possible. So how does it look as nice as possible? It looks as nice as possible if it's filled up evenly, Right? If everything is uniform, uniformity is always nicer than a lack of uniformity. Now the problem is that the four parashas are of varying lengths. So if there are varying lengths, how are the parchments inside the cavities of the batim going to be filled up evenly? It's not going to be filled up evenly. If each cavity is, let's say, one millimeter, uh, uh, let's say it's, for argument's sake, let's call it one millimeter wide, um, so the claff takes up X amount of space. It's not going to fill it up evenly, and it's not going to look very nice. So to solve this problem, they use three different types of claff. The thicker one, because since parashishma is the smallest parsha, so it needs the thickest claff to fill up the cavity. We use thinner claf than that for v'hayam shamaya. kaddish, right? Which is also kaddish and v'hayam shamaya are the lengthiest parshias, so they'll have the thinnest claf. Shema, which is the shortest parsha, will have the thickest claf. This is a misprint, right? I think the place can say it's a misprint because v'hayam is the 
middle length, right? Shema and Kadesh, uh, Kadesh and Vahayim Shemaya are the longest. Shema is the shortest, and Vahaya Kiviacha is the middle one. Uh, and by doing this, the batim are filled up evenly. And this beautifies the tefillin. We're out of time, but in 10 more seconds, I'll just tell you another pshat that's brought in the Ma'asaf L'chol Machnas from the Munkacher Rebbe. He says that this is not referring to the inside of the batim. In those days, they used to have batim made from dakais. This is brought in the Ma'asaf L'chol Machnas. He says that in those days, they used batim from dakais, and therefore, when you would put parashis in the batim, they would like uh, expand a little bit. So we wanted to expand evenly. So this halacha is actually when it says yismalu habatim b'shava, the batim will fill up evenly. It's not referring to the beauty on the inside; it's referring to the beauty on the outside, and that was the reason for this halacha.